Walks Among the New York Poor, the Rag and Bone Pickers, by Charles Loring Brace. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This class, who number by the thousands, are nearly all Germans. Their headquarters in are a part of the city almost utterly unknown to the great world, near the East River in the 11th and 17th wards. Here they congregate in immense numbers, living in large lodging houses, sometimes three hundred in a house, and paying each a small rent, which, as I shall afterwards show, yields an enormous percentage on the capital invested. My first visit, in company with an officer of police, a friend who takes a deep interest in these movements for the poor, was to a colony in Sheriff Street. There were twelve small houses in a row, within a back court, entered by galleries running up on the outside, cheap brick and wood houses. All the piazzas, banisters, railings, every possible rope line were hung with rags drying. Captain S. tells me that at five o'clock in the morning, long before light, this whole district is as lively as at noon. Every one of these Germans, men, women, and children, are out with their pokers and hooks and little drays, rummaging every corner and pile and heap of refuse through all the streets. We went up on one of these stairs on the outside and entered a low, dirty room. A brisk, active-looking woman was cooking at the little stove. She did not speak English, and I asked her in German about her business and children, etc. She was a rag-picker. Her husband worked somewhere as a day-laborer, but he had broken his leg and was in the hospital. She had to support the old grandfather there and the children, though they helped her, got sie dank. Sometimes she thought she never should get through. She could make two shillings a day, and with the children, some days, three shillings. The grandfather was at the window, reading his Bible. She had one room and a close bedroom behind, rent four dollars a month. In another house, the mother lay sick in the little back bedroom, and the father and children were in the front room, looking all very poor and wretched. The man answered cheerfully, but said he had not expected to find America so hard a place to live in. He and his children made three dollars a week by rag-picking, but they could hardly get along on that, and it was very hard work now in the snow. The room smelled horridly. The captain says probably from the bones which they pick to sell and keep under the bed often. In the summer, he says, these houses are intolerable from their stench, and during the cholera seasons, very naturally, the pestilence has raged in these localities as fatally as anywhere in the city. The rent higher again was four dollars a month for two small rooms. In the next house was a rag-picker's family. They seemed to do rather better, averaging, I think, fifty cents a day. An active boy outside who spoke very good English said he could make four to five dollars a week picking bones. The families in the basements generally averaged two to four shillings a day at this business, 
and paid $3.50 per month for rent. We summed up the rents in these 12 little houses, and allowing the attic to rent for as much as the basement, they would amount to $360 the month, or $4,320 per annum. The whole block could be built and in far better style for $8,000, making, and the estimate is probably low, a rent of more than 50% in the value of the houses, or, estimating the lot at $3,000, a rent of more than 33 and a third percent for the whole. From this place we went to another well-known colony in 3rd Street, a narrow court, large houses on either side, and within a long house facing the entrance with galleries and green latticework on the outside. These are filled with the same class. In the long house there are 48 families. One of those in front has the same number, and the other on the side of the alley, 16 families. Rags are flaunting on every side, and little girls are sorting or washing them. Heaps of bones, carefully sorted, lie in different parts of the court. A little girl is playing in front. Face and form as mature as a woman's, though she says she is only thirteen. Her eye is very bright and sparkling, and she has a full ruddy cheek. A German, but speaking English with a pretty accent. She takes us up to her mother, who lives in the fourth story. Bones is hard business now, she says. There is so much snow, and people use poultry so much. She can make two shillings a day generally. Men come after them in carts and pay thirty cents a bushel for them. Rags she can some days do well in, has picked up a load a day often. She carries them to a shop nearby and gets two cents a pound for them. Her mother was washing. She had two small rooms, pays four dollars a month for rent. In another room we found a little girl who is a street-crossing sweeper. She says she goes to school every day except occasionally a rainy Saturday when she sweeps walks. She can earn at that sometimes thirty-seven and a half cents a day. She is German again. I don't like it, she says, but then mother wants me, and sometimes I helps her in finding bones but we don't get very much, only 30 cents a day. She is only 13 years old, yet she has the passionate eye and matured form of a woman. There are quite a number of these little mudlarks here, as they call them, many of them bright-looking girls who help out a poor mother's hard livelihood with their little wages. One of the most striking things about all these children is their maturity. They never seem to be young, God help them. Ripened and diseased in vice before they are scarce old enough to know good from evil. Captain S. states that the most notorious prostitute of the ward is only fourteen, and he knows another twelve years old. These German rag-and-bone pickers, though they live in such filth, are frequently much better off than might be supposed. They all look to going west eventually. The German immigrant has a hankering for land. 
Nearly all of these lay up money. A colony last year of about 300 persons occupied a basement near East River, lived promiscuously together with their great bone heap in the midst of the floor, from which they could scrape or boil enough for an occasional meal. They seemed in the utmost destitution and were living in a squalor to which a poor American could seldom, by any circumstances, be driven. In the spring, when travel was cheap again, they all, with their little earnings which they had brought from Germany, started for the West to settle down on farms. A friend, familiar with their quarter, tells me he happened to be out very early one morning when he saw one of these bone-pickers with his cart and dog stop, root out something from a pile of refuse with a hook, and begin to gnaw it ravenously. He passed nearer and saw it was the outside, toughest rind of bacon. To all this petty and dirty work done by children and foreigners in our city, none has the right to utter a word of objection. It is immeasurably better than begging. The little muddy, dripping girl with her rough hair and torn dress, who is sweeping the walk and flying about with her broom in the storm like an ugly little sprite, may be just keeping herself and an old mother from the almshouse by these hard-earned pennies. Possibly she has not any very clear ideas of purity and virtue, but possibly society never gave her much chance to gain them. However that may be, she and the little match-seller and the rag-picker and the boner and the apple-peddler are an honest work, and even if it be not very clean or very extensive, it is at least work, and worth generally all it is paid. Discourage professed beggars, or drive from your cold doorsteps the little shivering, pilfering outcasts as much as you choose, fine, ladies and gentlemen. But for the crosswalk sweeper, the match boy, the little girl with her basket of candies, Remember, they are in fair business and ought to be as well treated as any other hard-working people. In our last visit to these rag-pickers in the 11th Ward, we again came upon important facts in relation to rents. To these I desire especially to call the attention of our businessmen. The stack of houses owned by a distinguished and wealthy gentleman of the city was composed of one long house on a court in the rear, and two on the sides of a narrow alley. The first house had twelve tenements, each tenement four stories of rooms. They were entered by stairs on the outside so that no space was lost. The front was perhaps a hundred fifty feet, and the depth twenty-five feet, everything in the cheapest and coarsest style. The sum of the rents paid through the house was a hundred ninety-two dollars the month, or 2,204 per annum. A gentleman in the ward calculates it could easily have been built for $6,000. Supposing the value of the lot, 2,000, we have a rent of 27%. One of the houses on the street, a narrow house with about 20 feet front and having 16 rooms, rented for an average of $750 per annum without doubt bringing a percentage to the agent or owner of at least 25%. In regard to some of the houses, there was a difficulty in estimating their cost, 
but in many cases I could not doubt they yielded from thirty to fifty percent to the landlords. All this, be it remembered, without giving any conveniences for health or comfort to the poor tenants. But take this instance in the five points. A notorious rum seller has rented eight houses in the district for $1,000 per annum, or at the rate of $125 for each. These he lets out to the prostitutes and negroes. They are filthy, broken-down, miserable, beyond any houses in the city. In one house in Cow Bay, which I examined, he averaged a rent of $30 a month, and supposing him to do as well through the year, he gets a profit of nearly 300%, or supposing him to lose half, he still brings in about 150%. Another in the same alley yielded him about $25 a month, or $300 per annum. We call upon Christian merchants in New York to look at these things. If such immense profits can be made of these great colony houses for the poor, why cannot some benevolent man step forward and build healthful, convenient, cheerful homes and still derive a profit, which shall make his investment no poor one? Would it not be a humane and Christian mode of employing capital, a mode by which the bone-picker, the scavenger, the poorest of New York could have a pleasant and, above all, a healthful home? And yet the landlord or owner should still reap a rational profit from his money. The thing has not been tried yet by American enterprise. We look for the broad-minded merchant, him who believes all wealth is only a trust from his master. Who will attempt this for the poor? End of Walks Among the New York Poor, The Rag and Bone Pickers by Charles Loring Brace